Hi there, I'm Pat. And I'm Ben. And uh, welcome to Podventure Time. This yeah, welcome back. This our, is our podcast uh, about Adventure Time, but more than that, it's about me trying to convince Ben that, that uh, Adventure Time rules. So, uh, Ben, after, well, I guess we've seen six episodes now. Uh, yeah, how do you we'll, think I'm doing? We'll talk about episodes five and six uh, this time around. Um, so I, I have, I've thought about this. I think you're... You're on the path. I was interested to learn last time that you actually didn't start watching episode one, season one, the same way you're asking me to do it. So I feel like you've kind of already asked me to do something you didn't ask yourself to do, which may be a little disingenuous on your part, but, uh, but I'm fine with it. And I, I'd say that I'm, uh, I'm coming around to the show. I'm not a super okay. fan. I'm not a super fan yet. And uh, maybe we'll talk about a few episodes today about where, uh, how far forward I've moved on the continuum of of hate it to love it, but, uh, but, but I'm, I'm enjoying my time. I'm enjoying my time watching, uh, Finn and Jake. Yeah. So I, I should say about the fact that I came in in the middle, I think it was, it was either season four or season six, uh, were the first episodes that I saw and the show has changed a lot by then. It's um, something I want to talk about actually today because I, I definitely want to understand where am I, where am I going with this? I think is what is yeah. the question I've got. So the the cartooniness gets toned down um, over the course of the show. I would say, like okay. it gets there are fewer sort of cartoon gags and one dimensional cartoony characters um, as the as the show goes on. I mean, um, I, I think we see a little bit of that in in episodes five and six. But I mean, I thinking back to the first episode that I saw which I don't remember which one it was but it was an it was a newer episode and then going back and watching episode 1 it's it's a very very different show episode 1 is a straight up cartoon I think and um hopefully over the course of this thing we'll see how it kind of gets away from the cartoon style gags and more starts to use animation as a medium for an actual show. All right. Well, that's an exciting prospect. Let's, uh, we'll, we'll work towards that. But for now, let's, uh, let's chat about episodes five and six from season one. Season one, episode five is called the Enchiridion. Yes. It has an exclamation point at the end of the title. So yeah. why don't you tell us what the Enchiridion is? Oh, so the Enchiridion is a, uh, a tome, a master tome, a master book of uh, what appears to what 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 is purported to be, I think, secrets of heroes or some sort of uh, book of knowledge that only heroes are able to access. Uh, and that, that's it, right. It's a book. It's a focus of the quest for this episode. Jake and Finn are going to have to seek out the Enchiridion. Absolutely. So um, I, I actually think that this is kind of the, well, there's tree trunks, but I think that in this episode, you really see Finn kind of take on his first quest. Um, and it, where is a, there's... it is a doozy of a quest. It's a, <laughs> it is a classic uh, cliche quest 
like exactly exactly it's like here you're going to go get this thing and then you have to overcome trials to get this thing and then you get the thing at the end yeah and it is going to we we're going to test your purity of heart and we are going to test your bravery and at the end you will receive uh you know nirvana in the form of uh the secret knowledge that only heroes get to know about in the enchiridion Exactly. So the episode starts off in the Candy Kingdom, mm-hmm. and uh, they're having a party, and Cinnamon Bun stumbles into the princess's tower, which makes her fall. Yeah. Uh, Finn, Finn saves her, and then she decides to... That, that inspires her to show him something, so they go into her secret evidence or secret entrance, and this is one of... The, I, I like this joke where uh, she says, okay, Finn, I'm going to take you in the secret entrance, and then everyone just stares at her. And then she makes the whole town, the whole kingdom turn around so that she can pull a brick out of the tower and sneak into it. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed that little that little gag of, you know, okay, turn around. It's a secret entrance. And then yep. they just go through a little hole in the wall. Yep. Yep. That was classic. So then, they, yeah, they had, uh, they, so then uh, the princess reveals the existence of the Enchiridion to Finn, who is, who is... jazzed about it. Yes, to say the least. His uh, his quote, which I just love, is, I am into this stuff. Yeah. I thought that was great. And uh, he said, uh, do you think I've got, what is it before? They, something, yeah. Yeah, she explains to him how, you know, only the greatest uh, heroes can get the Enchiridion and you have to be brave and pure of heart and stuff. And then he, he says something like, do you think I got the goods? Cause That's I am into this stuff. That's right. Do you think I got the goods? I like that line a lot. That was a, that was a solid line. So and then they, uh, then they head off on the quest. He, uh, he dives right in head first. He dives right out the window, Jake catches him and, um, they head off to the mountain where the yeah. Enchiridion is held under lock and key. And so I want to talk about when we talk about Finn diving out of the tower, you know, he gets so excited about going after the Enchiridion that he's like, okay, I'm going. And then he jumps out of the top floor of the tower without even thinking twice. And, you know, of course, Jake catches him because that's kind of how Finn gets out of a lot of these situations. But one thing that I noticed as a theme in episode five and six is that uh, I think that Finn is starting to learn to carefully consider what he does and why he is doing it um, instead of rushing into things so much. I and think your, that evidence, Finn, your evidence for that is him diving headfirst out of a window? So that's, that's where he starts. Oh, okay. But, you know, as it goes on, I think that Finn, uh, in both episodes, really learns uh, the value of um, being thoughtful and, and, and knowing exactly what it is you're doing and why you're doing it so yeah it starts off with him jumping (laughs) recklessly out of the window and then they head for the mountain at the top of which is the enchiridion right well i'll agree with you that this episode is definitely about uh it is about finn's inner journey as most quest movies shows stories are the quest itself is merely a set of scenes and and setups and scenarios that allows the hero to learn things about themselves, learn their true nature, learn their true um, strength. And that is definitely what is going on in this episode. So I will definitely agree with you that this whole episode is about growth for Finn. Absolutely. So 
Um, which which of the trials, or do you just want to start with the first one, or, or tell me which of the trials kind of stick out to you as as uh, enjoyable? Oh, I really like the first one. Uh, the first one is 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 right at the foot of the mountain. They meet the the gatekeeper of the right. of the mountain, and the first trial is is to get uh, the door unlocked to the to the mountain pathway where they will then set off on their quest. And, uh, it's the classic, I have a riddle, you know, of sort of Monty Python kind of, uh, uh, of a bent to it. But, you know, he says, I've got a riddle for you. How do you open this locked gate? And he gets really excited. He says it all fast. You yeah. know, it's like a classic, like, uh-huh. you know, you better outsmart me kind of thing. Right. And, then and the whole time, do? well, and the whole time this guy is wearing a hat shaped like a key and, <laughs> right. And so Finn just grabs him and shoves his whole head into the lock, turns it, and that opens it up. Right, and then um, the 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 keymaster, I think that's what he's called. He he says, "Well, how did you figure it out?" And Finn says, well, "I just thought you'd look cute stuffed in that lock." That's right. And then he the then the the keymaster or gatekeeper, whatever his name is, he he says, "That's how most people solve it." <laughs> right. He admits so. He needs to change his his uh, his approach if he actually wants to keep people out. But it seems, at least by the end of the episode, that no one was really trying to keep Finn out in the first place. So they get inside and they are walking uh, on the grounds of the mountain. They're at the foot of it. They haven't started climbing yet. Right. And uh, Finn hears someone crying out for help, which, of course, is utterly irresistible to him. So he rushes in to save this person who's crying out for help and what does he find turns out it is three gnomes yeah who appear to be stuck in a pit of boiling lava and or liquid and uh they are they they are burning up in there and finn quickly and without hesitation pops them out of there Right, he saves them, um, and then this is one of my this is one of my favorite parts. So he saves these gnomes and he sets them down. And of course, Finn's used to being thanked profusely, uh, having a handkerchief waved at him as Princess Bubblegum did earlier in the episode. But the gnomes betray him. Yeah, it turns out they're evil gnomes. It turns out that there was a whole trick, and they say, "Oh, thanks for getting us out of there," because now we are able to blow up old ladies. Yes, we are going to blow up all these old ladies because you got us out of there. And of course, for Finn, this presents a huge problem because as far as he knows, those old ladies are innocent. Uh, and of course, he assumed the gnomes were innocent at first as well, but it turns out that they are evil. And so they start blow- blowing up old ladies um, and they're doing like a classic sort of they're doing sort of a Wayne's World prank where they're like, you know, every time you say no, we're going to blow up an old lady. Every time you say what, we're going to blow up an old lady. And what? so he he can't help himself, and they just keep zapping old ladies. <laughs> right. Indeed. Uh, and and you're right. This is another example. This is of, of Finn uh, rushing headlong into a, a situation and going with his gut instinct and just saving the person who is yelling for help. And it turns out to be the completely wrong move. Uh, exactly. And, and so he has instant regret and can't handle it to the point that he runs off. He can't even face what he's done. And he, he runs off um, to do some real soul searching. Yes. And I, I think that Finn here is, I guess, on top of learning not just to rush into things, I think Finn is beginning to understand that there may be 
something in the world besides good and evil. Um, and, and so Jake takes care of the gnomes because that's what Jake does. He saves the day. But then he has to talk Finn into continuing the quest because Finn is totally bummed out. He thinks he's a bad guy because he saved the gnomes and it's resulted in the deaths of all these old ladies. And so Finn is feeling regret for having made this huge mistake. And I think that he also is wondering whether he can be good if the direct results or at least secondary result of his actions is something very, very bad. Yeah, he's he's learning about unintended consequences, which is something that uh, is a theme in in a lot of hero stories, ranging from Superman to uh, to anything that you read these days. I think um, you know the the idea of a superhero who beats up a bad guy, but you know destroys several buildings in the process is uh, is something that uh, has been dealt with a lot. And I think this is he's they're touching on that element of heroism that can be actually uh more uh destructive and and than than was originally intended yeah that's an interesting parallel i i didn't think of that and it's actually i think it's a fairly recent um at least in the movies it's a fairly recent part of comic book movies where uh a lot of comic book movies now are sort of focusing and and the television shows if you haven't watched any of those marvel tv shows on netflix they're focusing on sort of the aftermath of these gigantic action blockbusters where they basically blow up all of manhattan um and so you've got superheroes who in the action movie you know they're chasing aliens and throwing them into buildings and everything's blowing up and then the aliens get blown up or they run away and everything's great. And then the movie ends and lately comic book movies have been saying, well, okay, but what does that actually look like for someone on the ground? What happens in the aftermath of that? Uh, and I think Finn's getting a little bit of that here too. Yep, definitely. Uh, I think, uh, adventure time deals with it in a very simplistic way where Finn and Jake are talking and Jake basically explains, you know, uh, Hey, those old ladies weren't real. Don't worry about right. it. That was just an illusion. Yeah. It was an illusion that the gnomes were creating because it was just a test. It was the first of, or I guess the second of, of the test that you're going to go through. So don't, don't you worry about it. Yeah. And, and to go back to sort of where, where the show is going to go, I'm starting to realize actually that one of my favorite things about Finn and Jake, Finn in particular, is that Finn pretty much just says exactly what, what is on his mind. He, he doesn't use any sort of rhetorical devices. He's never sarcastic. Uh, he more or less just says, here's this thing that I am thinking, and it probably is going to advance the plot. Um, and what I kind of came to realize is that that's one of the things that I really like about Finn, especially as you get later into the show and the world around him is more complex, but he sort of keeps this, I'm going to say exactly what I'm thinking approach to everything. Uh, it creates a very charming character. Um, so yeah, so Jake Jake convinces uh, Finn that that the old ladies were fake, and you know, come on, man, you know this is just the mountain trying to mess with you. They're trying to scare you off from yep. getting the Enchiridion, and so he convinces him to move on. So they do, and, right? And then <laughs> in the immediate aftermath of deciding, I think they take like two or three steps before. Jake gets gobbled up by some kind of giant red ogre who's wearing like cut off jeans. Sure, a classic ogre. It's your classic ogre, ogre costume, uh, shirtless, cut off jeans, jean shorts, and uh, yeah, he gets eaten. Uh, but and which which freaks Finn out. 
because yeah. Finn Finn had been at that very moment relying on Jake's strength and Jake's calmness to continue on, and for that to be taken away at that very moment just makes him lose his mind. Yeah, and I think that this goes back, this reminds me of in the Trouble in Lumpy Space episode when Jake has turned lumpy and he's headed off to the weekly prom where Finn is about to lose his mind and he's going to do literally anything to get Jake back. I think that the the relationship that they have is borderline codependent, but Finn definitely recognizes that he cannot get anywhere without Jake. So anytime that Jake is threatened, Finn loses his mind. So he, uh, he attacks the ogre uh, and has to come up with a way to, to defeat this ogre, which is a, is a giant, and he can't seemingly affect any damage on the guy. He's trying to kick his feet, and that's useless. Um, right. In, in the meantime, I, I should add that there's a solid gag of Jake poking out of various holes, insisting that he's okay. <laughs> yes. Yep. He's still shouting words of encouragement to Finn while poked out of the nostril or ear of the ogre. And so uh, eventually Finn, I don't even remember how he does it, but he, oh, he uh, he climbs up and he steals a dollar out of the ogre's wallet, which is why the the, the ogre's got to be wearing cut-off jeans so that he can have a back pocket with a wallet in it. Right. And uh, so, so Finn steals a giant dollar from the ogre and uses it as sort of a hang glider, um, which allows him to pick up enough speed using the wind and gravity to kick the ogre in the gut, which <laughs> causes him to gush this sort of cream-colored vomit uh, on which Jake sort of comes sk- skating out of yeah, comes the ogre's sur- mouth. Surfing out on the wave of, of puke. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and then Jake... Uh, Finn catches Jake in midair and floats all the way to the top of the mountain. So they uh, they solve several problems with one gag. They don't have yeah. To... So the the dollar bill is is sort of a Nick Fury plot gun, but it's uh, I think during that time it also shows you know the the lengths that Finn will go to save Jake. You know he forgets entirely about the Enchiridion. He's only worried about saving Jake. Uh, but then once he does, they they hang glide again all the way up to the top of the mountain. And then Finn does something that I think really defines his character and shows how he's beginning to think about the consequences of his actions. Yeah, he uh, he looks back down at the ogre who is at this point crying because he's lost his dollar. And, and Finn... Before they move on, um, Finn folds up that dollar into a paper airplane and flies it on back to the ogre. Right. So no harm, no foul. I think right. it's sort of, you know, an ogre's nature is to eat smaller things, and Finn has no hard feelings, especially when the poor guy starts crying. So here's your dollar back, buddy. And then the ogre is happy, and we can all move on to the next stage of the quest for the Enchiridion. Right, uh, which is essentially the final test. And we we enter into... I don't even know if it has a name, but we'll call it the Temple of the Enchiridion. And uh, and they, as soon as they enter, uh, they are greeted by a specter, a grim Reaper-style uh, specter of a of a ghost who is who says uh, very literally, "I'm going to play mind games with you, and you are going to learn something about you that you had very little knowledge of before." 
Yeah, I'm going it? to I'm going to show you something about yourself that you were previously unaware of. <laughs> right, indeed, which is exactly what uh, all of these stories always do, and they just sort of say it right out in front of you, which is great. Exactly. Yeah, Adventure Time's not trying to trick you into uh, learning anything. They, right. They're going to pretty much tell you, um, and and that's another. I find that charming and hilarious when. The ghost says, you know, a side of you that you are not particularly aware of. Yeah, not particularly aware of was a great line. They uh, So uh, Finn, in a cloud of smoke, Finn is is whisked away into a, uh, a dream or some sort of uh, mental illusion and uh, has to fight, has to fight a monster. And he, he, he is told by the specter, kill the monster. And and Finn quite literally asks, "Is it evil?" Exactly, and, because he learned his lesson with the gnomes. Yeah, and the uh, and the specter says it's definitely evil. So Finn has Finn goes for it and and beats up the monster, fights it, and kills it. And Vanquishes then, the monster rather easily. Right, uh, and then uh, and then the specter pre- presents them with a second task, which is to squash an ant. And you you must destroy this ant. Yep. And Finn, uh, Finn asks again, "Is it evil?" And uh, and the specter is noncommittal. Uh, he basically says, "No, he's not. He's not great. He's not. He's not bad either, though. He's kind of neutral." And right. uh, he has no affiliation of good versus of good or evil. And but but he's still insistent. You must destroy. And this is where Finn uh, Finn shows restraint. Finn shows the conflict within that. Now he's learned that attack is not always the best uh, best first move. Exactly. I think Finn has always imagined himself as only beating up evil things, but in this case he's managed to think before he smashes something about whether it's evil. And uh, and so he... Uh, he refuses. He refuses right. to he kill He refuses. The, 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 the ghost says, you must destroy this unaligned ant. That's right. <laughs> Which I, I find the, the adjective unaligned, you know, hilarious for whatever reason. Uh, but then Finn refuses to, to smash the ant because he has decided that Finn only kills evil things. And so instead he just... I think he just kicks the ghost and poof, the ghost is gone and the yep. test is passed. That's right. And so then we have reached, he's reached the final uh, stage. A door is opened and the key master from the, 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 the bottom of the hill is at the top now somehow. And he's wearing a standard devil costume, your standard red jumpsuit with horns holding a pitchfork. And as he tries to talk, uh, Finn, in his state of uh, agitation, punches him in the gut and then immediately regrets it because he realizes what he's done and, but asks, you know, why are you wearing devil costume if you're not evil? And the guy says, well, these are just my pajamas. <laughs> right. And then the, so the door opens and the key master comes through and then we get to the sort of end scene where everyone from previous that appeared previously in the episode as you might see in in in, uh, in a longer movie where someone's going on a quest and running into all these characters mm-hmm. uh, you know I'm I'm thinking of like Return of the Jedi where they're at the Ewok party and yeah. all of a sudden a, even even you, the ghosts show up you get a curtain um, call for the entire cast yeah exactly so but, uh, but you we also do have a new person a new character yes, as well yes which, we do meet a new character who is 
I do not remember this name, but he's a minotaur. He's a minotaur, and his name is Manish Man. Manish Man, yes. The most masculine name. He's super name. jacked. He's super jacked. Even his deltoids have a bicep on it. <laughs> right. As he flexes both of it, and he turns around to show how muscular his back is, even one of his... Uh, his delts has an extra arm on it that is also flexing. He's that Yeah, it, that's another example of that sort of Ren and Stimpy animation that, that shows up every once in a while yes. in the show. Yes, vascular, vascular drawings. Um, and, uh, but Manish Man is a, is a good and honest Minotaur, and he congratulates Finn for completing, completing the entire task and, and says, you have definitely earned the right to access the Enchiridion. And so he says, come on over and let's let's celebrate. Okay, yeah. So so Manish Man turns out not to really be guarding the Enchiridion. He's not some sort of violent minotaur. He's he's a real nice guy and he brings Finn and Jake over to a picnic table where uh characters from earlier in the episode show up and uh Waiting for Finn there is the Enchiridion itself. Right. And uh, he opens it up eagerly. And the first thing he reads is instructions on how to kiss a princess. That is the page that he just happens to open to. <laughs> right. And then, uh, and then he quickly closes the book. I think out of a little bit of, of slight embarrassment, but also kind of excitement. But he leaves his hand in there. To, to make sure he saves the place of the book where he, uh, where he left off. He doesn't want Jake to see what he was reading. That's a good catch. And he also doesn't want to see Princess... He doesn't want to let Princess Bubblegum see what he's reading because by this point she has shown up in Manish Man's own sort of vision globe. Right. Uh, so she's more or less at the party and, and she's a little curious as to what exactly it was Finn was reading as well. Right. Manish Man counsels uh, Finn, don't tell the princess, only... It's knowledge only for heroes, and uh, exactly, and, and that 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 annoys the princess. But uh, but Finn holds true to that maxim and uh, and does not divulge the secrets of the Enchiridion. And and so we end the episode. Finn yeah. has completed his quest. He, yeah, he's he's gotten the Enchiridion. He's completed the quest. I think it's important that it's a quest that Princess Bubblegum has sent him on, and then he. Uh, after completing that quest, finds a little chapter on how to kiss princesses. So, I want I wanted actually to to talk to you and ask you how are you analyzing the relationship between Princess Bubblegum and Finn at this point? Well, it appears that I mean, so clearly Finn is trying to impress the princess, but I'm not sure if he even fully realizes the depth of his feelings for her or even how to express those very well yet. I don't think that the princess is in love with Finn. Um, she's very matter of fact with him. And I don't, I mean, she's definitely cares for him. She appreciates the fact that he saved her from falling and things like that. Um, and maybe this is just a moment, this is the point of growth in their relationship. She sees him as a hero in this episode and therefore sends him on the, a hero's quest. And he is eager to please and eager to impress. I, it's sort of a schoolyard romance is how I would, how I would call this. It is t verging on like 
teasing or like I'm gonna punch you because I like you, but they're not they're not doing the violence there. He's just he's just saying I'm trying to impress her, but I'm not quite sure exactly how to express my feelings. Right, and I don't think he's even quite sure why he wants to impress her. Um, yeah, and I, I I do think that. I think when he opens the book and sees that it's about how to kiss princesses, I don't know if he visibly blushes, but he clearly gets all flustered. Like, I don't think that he, he knows that heroes kiss princesses, but I don't think that he understands yet that, or he doesn't want to be the hero that kisses the princess. That's just sort of a... Yeah, this is definitely, and, and remind me, how old is, uh, how old is Finn's character? I think, I think Finn is 12 in the yeah, first season. This is very much a 12 year old boy, uh, reward i would say right right he's he's aware that there are girls out there and he thinks maybe he'll probably like them someday but as of as of now he's not ready to go around prince uh, kissing any princesses sure a classic if this were your standard hero tale the reward would be definitely a kiss from the princess but in this case the reward is simply a manual on how to kiss a princess (laughs) at some point in the future and uh so if you had to predict, say, season five, where do you think Finn and Princess Bubblegum have gone by then? Well, I'm going to predict that there's been a kiss, one or two at least. Um, I don't know how quickly they'll move this along, but uh, but my guess is that we're heading towards a romantic relationship here. All right, we've got Ben on record predicting a romantic relationship between Finn and the princess. And I suppose that's as good a time as any to move on to episode six. We're, we're done with the Enchiridion, so let's move on to The Jiggler. The Jiggler, episode six. Uh, yeah, episode six is uh, it's a standard side quest uh, in, the, in the parlance of, of, game, you know, of gaming. Uh, this is definitely not, a, this is not advancing um, a main plot line in any way. This is a this whole episode is a is a side quest about the Jiggler, which is an animal that Finn and Jake encounter in the woods um, after finishing another quest, which is sort of just alluded to essentially. Um, <laughs> right. They've saved a family of watermelon. Uh, well, what I, what I actually love about Stanley's family, so Stanley is a watermelon, and then there's what appears to be sort of Mrs. Stanley watermelon, but then there are like bananas and sausages that appear to be part of his family as well. Right. Yeah, it's just a bag of groceries, and uh, a mixed bag of groceries that are essentially apparently a family that live in a house. Yeah, um, and then Finn tells, you know, Stanley, stop getting into so many, you know, Stop right. getting so much trouble you can't get out of. Right, you get in far too you get into far too many life threatening situations for a watermelon. That's right. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so at the end of it, the, so they're heading home from a quest and and walking through the forest, and they are uh, they're singing. Finn is singing. He is uh, Finn is singing, auto tune style, uh, unaided though. And uh, and Jake quip Jake remarks that's amazing that you're able to sing like that and Finn says oh yeah remember when I swallowed that computer and they, right they say oh right that's the explanation um, and uh, and and music uh, also plays an increase increasingly well I don't know if it plays an increasingly large role but we do see lots of uh, music get. Uh, performed by the characters actually in adventure time and so this is uh and actually the music tends to be very good and i really actually like the uh finn's baby song it's nonsense uh and it's and it's auto-tune but it's really good it's a great song it's catchy and uh 
And I wanted to talk about the song because I think it speaks to kind of the theme we were talking about in the last episode or the last talking about in episode five here where um, Finn's concept of romance and his his budding uh, uh, sense of, of wanting to uh, kiss girls or, or anything like that because he's singing a, uh, a classic R&B trope. Uh, he is doing an auto-tuned song singing to his baby. And, right. And he is singing baby, baby, baby. But all the things he wants to do with this baby are things that you would do with an actual baby. Uh, so it's, it's, it sounds romantic in its styling, but really he's saying things like, do you want to eat baby food or do you want to crawl around and do baby things? And that I thought was great because that is like him. I thought that was Finn uh, sort of mimicking what he thinks you know, like a romantic song would be, but he doesn't have the knowledge or the experience to know how that should go. And so he only can take it as far as like, well, I know about babies. Exactly. And it's not clear at this point whether Finn like has access to records or anything. So he is making up his own music. um, And uh, yeah, he, he wants to sing about babies. And so, so he does. Yeah. It's a great song. So uh, the, but the song uh, attracts an animal. Uh, an animal that is essentially um, two spheres connected by a tube in the middle, kind of like a a dumbbell standing up, and yeah, and he and he is uh, he is drawn and really likes Finn's music, and uh, and Finn dis- and whistles along with Finn, and Finn decides, hey, we should take him home. He's such a great guy, and he kind of jiggles around, so they name him the Jiggler, and they make him sort of their pet, and they take him home. Yeah, because uh, they, I mean, Finn is very interested in having a good time. And here's the jiggler. He's ready to jiggle around. Uh, Jake, of course, is totally on board because he mostly goes along with what Finn wants. And so, uh, yeah, they take the jiggler home and they spend what appears to be about 12 hours straight just uh, dancing and jiggling. That's right. Uh, And so uh, they... They dance and jiggle at their house. This is the first time also that we get to really see the inside of Finn and Jake's house. Besides, oh, yeah, okay. Besides what we see in a quick, quick shot in the intro, this is the first time we've actually been inside their, uh, appears to be a tree house. Yes, it is a tree house. It's in a willow tree. Okay. And, uh, I mean, there's, there's not a ton that we learn about it other than we just kind of see what it looks like. It's a multi-level tree dwelling, and uh, it's a pretty sweet setup. Yeah. So they uh, so they have a, a party with the jiggler all night long, and then they all go to bed, wake up a bit hungover from the partying, and uh, but they are they wake up to find that the jiggler has not fared well in the in, o- overnight, and the jiggler yeah, the jiggler as, is is fading. As tired as. Uh... As Finn and Jake are from the previous days jiggling, the the jiggler has actually gotten out of bed where Finn very sweetly put him in the comfiest spot on the bed and then curled up at the foot of the bed like <laughs> it reminded me of Michael Scott um, sleeping on the the futon, or not the futon, like the ottoman at the bottom of the bed when he's living with Jan. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> so so Finn curls up at the bottom of the bed and the, the jiggler gets the best spot, but by the morning he has wandered out as as I think a, a, a legitimately hungover person would, uh, and they find him sort of slouched over the back of the couch, um, 
looking, yeah. looking like he's in real bad shape. Looking pretty ragged. And, uh, and Finn and Jake are very worried. They want to make sure that the Jiggler is, is back up into uh, top peak condition because they want to keep partying with this guy. But um, So they try all manner of, of ways to revive him. They feed him purple whatevers. Um, purple whatevers, which are, Jake just goes, you mean grapes? And he goes, right, purple whatevers. Um, <laughs> and they give him a, a grape, a single grape, and that does not go well. He does not like that. He, he kind of, uh, he falls over a bit. He, he reacts poorly and, and almost faints. Um, so then they decide, well, what, what are we going to feed him? And um, Finn decides, well, let's give him a menu. Let's, let's see what he wants to eat. So he draws a bunch of pictures of different kinds of food and, uh, and says, well, you point to what you want to eat. And it turns out the Jiggler wants to eat the drawings. Yeah, which is which sort of goes unexplained uh, in the rest of the episode. But um, I, I really like the part where, where Finn is making these horrible drawings of, he just says, oh, and that looks like corn. And then all of a sudden Jake comes in and starts scribbling colors on them. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Some collaborative I, drawing. Right. And then, so then the Jiggler eats, uh, he sort of magically lifts the drawings off of the paper and eats the drawings themselves. Right. Uh, and then... Finn gets a, uh, a cute idea and decides to draw Jake. Right. Um, and Jake sort of has an, ex- an existential crisis over this. He absolutely does not want the Jiggler to eat him. Does not want to eat a, a drawing of him, but he, yeah, you can't eat me. That's, he doesn't want that to happen. And they, they, they have a bit of a tussle over that. Right. And then Jake solves the problem by just eating the drawing of him himself. And acknowledges that he tastes fantastic. uh the but that still doesn't solve the jiggler problem the jiggler is still sick and begins uh spewing and vomit kind of vomiting but basically spewing pink liquid out of every of every one of his orifices yeah this is when we start uh getting into the jiggler juice portion of the episode yes uh they he is spewing fountains of pink juice out of his holes and this caught, I mean, they go into a panic over this, uh, Finn and Jake, because I mean, it's, it's essentially looks like he's bleeding out. Uh, Yeah. And I think this is the moment where Finn starts to realize, Oh, there may have been consequences to my grabbing a wild animal and bringing it back to my house and thinking that I could feed it purple, whatever, and it'd be fine. Yeah. Yeah. This is where it turns into, this is a definite, then it, this is where I finally realized what the point of the episode was. At first, I wasn't sure what was going on, but then I realized, okay, so this is a, uh, this is a morality tale uh, of you shouldn't take, thing, take wild animals out of their natural habitat. You can't, you can't just make them your pet because you want them to be your pet. Very much right. a, this is very much a lesson that uh, parents have to give young kids. Absolutely. And you, you can't just grab things and start playing with them because they look fun. Right. Uh, because they might be fun for a little while, but, you know, you it's have to think about... It's a living creature that you have right. to respect. Right. Right. And then and, and Finn, of course, has grown very attached to the Jiggler. And so once the Jiggler starts to be obviously unwell, uh, Finn gets really upset. And in fact, one of my favorite parts of the episode is he's he's sort of embracing the jiggler uh and he starts giving him mouth to mouth but then he just starts kissing him and jake says something like what are you doing and 
Finn says, I'm kissing him. What do you think? It's all I can think to do. Yeah. And so he, he has this like helplessness where he's realized, you know, he's in trouble and I have no idea what to do to save this thing. Right. Um, but then the jiggler gives them a clue. He, he takes the kisses and starts kissing the floor himself and is somehow able to kiss in different colors. And he essentially paints a picture on the floor with kisses that shows um, a painting of a, a large a, a mother, his own mother, and, and he uses it to communicate to Jake and Finn that he needs to get back to his mom. Yeah, so we see basically a giant jiggler in a pool of jiggler juice. And then, actually, if you look carefully in the background, you do see Stanley's house. <laughs> and so that's uh, that's where Finn or Jake, I don't remember which one, goes, oh, well, look, you know, his mo- his mom's out there where we were by Stanley's house. And right. so they decide that they need to get him back to his mom to see if she can help make him okay. Right, so they do. They go back and they find his the jiggler's mom's uh, den. And uh, and they present, they bring the jiggler back, and they present it to his mom, and but the mom rejects him, and this is uh, this is another classic uh, thing you tell kids why you shouldn't pick up animals, and it's because then the mom won't take them back into the nest. Yeah, you don't touch those baby bunnies because the mom, if it smells like people, the mom will kick it straight out. Right, which I'm not even sure if that's true. I've heard there's other. I've heard that that's pretty much a uh, a misconception that you should definitely, as a PSA to anyone who does happen to pick up a baby bunny, bring it back to the nest. Don't. Yeah, I I also don't know whether that's true, but you know, if 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 we couldn't lie to kids to get them to do what we wanted, then they would never do what we wanted. So feel free to lie to your children and tell them that it's a death sentence if they touch a baby bunny. That's right. Yeah. Oh, I'm all, I am all for parental lying. That is <laughs> that is a staple of of being a parent. Um, my one of my favorite jokes is is parenting is, uh, and this is from, and I, I can't I can't attribute it correctly, but I found I saw it on Twitter. Uh, parenting is 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 thirty percent making PBJ sandwiches and seventy percent lying about what time it is. <laughs> I uh, I also have a particular fondness for lying to children, and which I developed at camp. Uh, and it's even better to lie to kids at camp because they are not your children, and so whatever weird oh, things they grow up believing, you never have to deal with that. Yeah, the long term consequences are, are are zero for you. That's yeah. Fantastic. I don't I I don't remember how many things or what specific things, but I know that there were things that I believed were true because someone had told it to me at camp and it was years before I finally figured out uh that it wasn't true you know it's one of those things where you've been saying a word wrong your entire life and then you get into polite adult company and everyone looks at you like you're an idiot Uh there are all kinds of things that camp counselors told me that uh I decided were true and only subsequently learned were deliberate fabrications oh man i wish you could remember some i'd love to hear some of those keep think about it maybe on next episode you can tell us yeah well so the the lies that i heard and the lies that i told have all started to get mixed up at this point so uh but yeah we can we can talk about lies all right uh so anyway we've 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 strayed off but we've we're back into the episode where um the mom has rejected the the jiggler because he does not and they're not sure why uh jake and finn don't understand Finn especially doesn't understand. He he actually gets quite angry. He yells at the mom and says, you're supposed to love your babies. That's what moms do. Uh, love, 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 love your babies. He's just shouting at this this mom. And then Jake 
is the one who realizes, oh, it's the juice. Um, he, he lost all of his jiggler juice, and the mom can't smell that, and so doesn't recognize him. So we've got to get the jiggler back into the jiggler juice, and that'll save the day. So, uh, so they do. They, they essentially uh, overhand toss him into the yep. juice, and it immediately revives him. He swells back up to, uh, to a healthy proportion, and the mom uh, sniffs, the new, sniffs the baby and immediately recognizes him. And, uh, and the, the family is once again reunited. Yes, the Jiggler's reunited with his mom. He's healthy again. And yeah. Finn and Jake have learned their lesson. Right. And, uh, and I, uh, I'll admit, I've got a little... Uh, I don't say I got misty-eyed or cried, but like, I felt a very strong fondness for the Jiggler. Like, I, I felt the emotion, the raw emotion that... Jake and Finn, and Finn especially, was feeling about um, the thought of having perhaps ruined and per- ruined this Jiggler's life, and perhaps sentenced sentenced him to death by his, by by his own um, quick actions of taking him out of the out of the wilderness. Yes, and uh, I, poignant, I think I would say this is, a, this is a very poignant episode. I I would agree, and um, it's it's interesting to me because. Finn has already done quite a bit of dancing throughout the series, but usually it's with candy people uh, with whom you can dance and trust that they'll take care of themselves. Uh, and you can dance with them in the candy kingdom. And so I think Finn kind of thinks, oh, well, here's just another dancing buddy. But then he learns that, you know, if you remove the jiggler from its natural element, it'll be fun for a little while, but poor guy's going to get sick. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe die. And it, and it, it got, it got a little sad there for a moment. And I, it I don't know why, but because it, it wasn't an exact storyline parallel, but I was very reminded of the poignancy of um, the Calvin and Hobbes uh, strip where Calvin finds a sick raccoon in the woods. Oh God, yes, yes, and yes. and that whole storyline and and the and the emotional roller coaster that he goes on um, trying to care for this sick raccoon that eventually dies. Um, and it's such a sad series uh, of strips that that Bill Watterson did, but I had a similar. It was, it was the emotions that were kind of welling up for me were similar to when reading that reading that strip. Yeah, absolutely. I I I actually think that five and six are two of my favorite episodes so far um, of the series. I really liked both of them. I I did too, and I think that they were definitely both. Um, character developing for Finn especially and but but it raised a question for me something that I uh I wanted I I brought up at the beginning of our episode here um it made me think though like you know if this were a standard show if this were a standard you know 30 minute series um by this time in you know episode five or six that we would be we would already be on some sort of story arc like mm-hmm. you know, multi-episode story arc, and we are clearly, really not on that in Adventure Time. Um, yes, I mean we we there's no real continuity from episode to episode here, and so mm-hmm. I wanted to know. I wanted to kind of get a sense from you, maybe some, not necessarily spoilers, but just a question for you is: does does that occur? Do we ever start? Do we enter into a realm of multi-episode story arcs in Adventure Time, or do we maintain this sort of? uh autonomy episode to episode um 
Uh, you know, what can we expect in the future? What can I expect? Yeah, so I, I liked the way that you described the Jiggler as a side quest, and there are side quest episodes throughout the series, but um, again, you know, I keep saying like all these things are going to happen as we get later into it, but there are definitely uh, multi episode, even like sort of multi season story arcs. Uh, they don't necessarily appear, appear uh, in back to back to back episodes. But you start to see uh, stories that started a long time ago pop back up and they start to make sense. And um, actually in the most recent season, uh, season or the most recent one that's on Hulu anyway, season seven, there's a whole like four or five episodes which are basically one story. Okay. Um, you know, it, it, it focuses on a particular character um, and the origin of that character. And so we have about four or five episodes where it's really nothing but that story. So um, larger stories do start to develop. I think that, again, we're still kind of in cartoon mode with yeah, Adventure Zone. where we've shorts. got yeah. Right. We've got 11-minute cartoons. And so, you know, you're going to start and then you're going to end. And that's it for that cartoon. Um, and I wonder if the creators of the show kind of envisioned it being that way. But then once they got renewed for, I mean some of the seasons are like 56 episodes long. And so when you get that kind of a renewal, I think, then you sort of start going, oh, okay, well, we can do sort of interesting things. We don't have to just have 12 12-minute episodes that each work on their own. Yeah, okay. So I, I buy that. I buy that we're in the, uh, we, you know, they made a, a short, a small number of episodes as a, as a trial here. And weren't where weren't sure where it was going, so they didn't they didn't put a lot of effort into uh, creating a giant story arc to follow. Yeah, and I wonder if they actually just thought it was always going to be a cartoon, and it didn't occur to them until they had the opportunity to make a bunch that they could expand the universe and make it into more of a of an overarching story. Well, that's a that's a great question. I mean, and if anyone out there in the listening audience knows the creators of the show we'd love to talk to them and uh and ask those questions directly absolutely uh, yeah so uh but in general i'd say that these were these were some solid episodes these were emotional episodes um especially episode six the jiggler i thought that was a really really great episode and uh not yeah, that i'm I, not that ahead. i'm pleased that you are sad but i am i am certainly pleased to hear that you were emotionally affected by by adventure time yeah uh it 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 does that to me all the time, and so you had your first experience with it, and that makes me that's thumbs up from me. All right, so that's a win. That's a that's a notch in the win column for Pat. Uh, Absolutely. A, that probably means I have to admit that that probably moved me somewhere, somewhere forward on the uh, the, the path to fandom. Uh, I can't can't say that I regressed these two episodes. I uh, I did enjoy them, and I thought they were well done. Um, I'm looking forward to episodes. Uh, seven and eight, which we will talk about on the ne next episode of Podventure Time. Yeah, I I think that we covered uh, the Enchiridion and the Jiggler pretty doggone well. So right. I'm Pat, and I'm Ben. This has been Podventure Time. Slam a cow! That fool looks rumped. <laughs> <laughs>